don't know if you saw any pictures of Audrey, uh, uh, one of our mascots that has since passed on, but uh, she was in a bucket for over 20 years, and she was basically folded up and looks almost looked like an ashtray. Or, or like a juice You're listening to Mark Ouellette, who is the founder of Little Rescue. Little Rescue is a reptile rescue based out of Ontario, Canada. They mainly focus on red ear sliders. Now, red ear sliders are one of those species in the hobby that tend to end up in the hands of rescues a lot and also are one of the worst invasive species that the hobby is facing because of their, you know, hardiness and ability to really survive in, in a lot of the conditions that North America has to offer. In this episode, Mark and I discuss basic care for red ear slider turtles. We also discuss why they have become a bit of an issue in the hobby, and we discuss why they make great pets and some of the biggest mistakes that new owners make. Mark also fills us in on some future plans he has with the rescue that are absolutely unbelievable, and I'm really excited for to have him share that idea with you. This is going to be one of the coolest things that could happen for this species. As I said, they are an issue species in the hobby, and his his plan in the future is definitely going to be you know a stepping stone in the right direction. If you are a fan of the show and you want to show your support, definitely hit subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Dylan, and you're listening to the Animals at Home podcast. All right, well, Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for uh, being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, I, you're one of those characters in the hobby who fulfills a role that's probably simultaneously the most important role you can fill and also the role that gets the least amount of support and recognition for what you do. Yes. And uh, I'm, you know, part of the reason why I started the podcast was to help promote education and proper care. And you know, one of the things that I noticed in the hobby is that we started to shift away from that animal first type of behavior, which is, I think is super important. And obviously that aligns with what you do. And when I, when I picture the reptile hobby, I picture this giant machine that's just driving down the road and, you know, throwing off collateral damage as it moves forward. And, you know, characters like you running after it and just trying to pick up pieces as they fall off the back of the truck, because that, that is really kind of what ends up happening. So before we get into the rescue, because I, I do want to obviously talk about that, can we start with how did reptiles enter your life? What, uh, what What's that story? Well, the story is difficult for somebody of my age. Uh, I got into the reptile hobby thanks to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, they, they started when I was uh, young, I was uh, probably around seven or eight and stuff like that. And I, I had my first turtle at the age of nine, and I actually still have him. His name is Apollo. He's 20 some odd years old, probably closer to 30 now. Um, yeah, and <laughs> that's basically how I got started, uh, uh, primarily with turtles. So turtle, a turtle was the first uh, reptile pet you had got into? Yes. Cool. And, uh, then how did that proceed to starting the rescue? Obviously you don't jump into a rescue. I'm sure there was a kind of an infant stage or some sort of process that you went through to go from just a hobbyist to, to starting the rescue. Well, I mean, as I mean, it always starts with one turtle and then, uh, you know, start getting a couple of more and stuff like that. And then it just started uh, going to reptile expos. And I, I uh, became friends with uh, somebody who was running a turtle rescue there who has since retired. Um, and, you know, just watching Kijiji and seeing like 200 and some odd turtles being posted for for free to good home and all those, because it was just such a problem, especially with red-eared sliders that I knew I had to do something. So I, I basically, I, I went out and I bought my first tank for the rescue is a 180 gallon glass tank. And then it just snowballed from there. 
So did you kind of just start by going on to Kijiji and just accepting any turtles that were people were trying to get rid of type thing? No, actually, I never uh, had to deal with uh, Kijiji. Uh, it's just uh, once people find out that someone's taking turtles, they just gravitated to me. Hmm. Yeah, that is one of those. Uh, it is interesting. And I, I do want to talk about kind of the care of the turtles. Then we'll get into that. But in terms of the uh, so how, how many years ago was that when you just started, you know, just begun? Well, we started the rescue 10 years ago, and uh, I'd say about five or six years ago is when well, we became a registered charity, which helped obviously bring in more funds and just got larger and larger and larger from there. So at the beginning, was it just something that you ran out of your home and then in five or six years ago, it expanded? Well, it started in a one bedroom apartment. So oh my <laughs> yeah. goodness. And then into a two bedroom apartment and then to a condo. And actually, uh, I don't think you can see it there, but behind me is a... Uh, 1200 square foot facility it used to be a mechanic shop but that's now the rescue mm -hmm. yeah i've seen the pictures on the website so that must have opened up a lot more opportunity for you guys opportunity and space yeah and we're, we're still doing renovations in there it's been an ongoing project for the last two years but uh, we hope uh, you know everything you know everything's good in there and it, uh, it's all uh, nice uh, uh, climate controlled and everything so it's, it's good for the turtles and, and the other reptiles in there yeah that's the thing with being in canada we have to deal with that you know, hot summers, cold winters. So in, in terms of the day-to-day -day work now, because I was actually very surprised to see the amount, the numbers that you had when I was on the website uh, a couple of days ago, looking at the amount of numbers of, I think it is it almost all turtles right now. I think there was like a bearded dragon or two. Yeah, it's primarily turtles. It always has been. Uh, we've got about 150 turtles right now in the rescue. Not all of them are on the site. Some of them are, are we board turtles as, uh, and other reptiles as well. And, you know, some come in that are in really rough shape and they, they, you know, until they're cleared by our vet, then they don't go up for adoption. Um, and we do uh, get some snakes. In fact, we're doing um, a, uh, we're picking up, I think, 11 or 12 snakes today. After this, we're going down to Brampton and picking up uh, some that, from someone. And so they, well, once they're done, they will be uh, up for adoption as well. Wow. So that's just a, an individual who's not interested in uh, caring for them anymore? Uh, their own personal reasons that, yeah, they have to uh, get rid of their collections. So, okay. Well, that's, and sometimes that happens, right? You can't, that's the thing with reptiles. They live very long time and you can't necessarily predict 15 years down the road or whatever it is. So having a spot like uh, your rescue obviously opens that up to saving the animal's life really. Cause uh, you don't know what kind of condition they'll be end up in. So on, on a day-to-day -day basis, what does your day look like if you have 150 turtles? Uh, the, the good thing with reptiles, they don't have to eat every day. Uh, basically in the mornings we'll go in, we'll check the waters for the, uh, the terrestrial animals. Um, you know, check the water levels, uh, for the, uh, the tanks and stuff like that, uh, scoop up anything we need to. Um, and then, you know, at night, um, we'll come back in and we have, we have a schedule of when we feed the animals. Um, and then we do have volunteers that come by on the weekends to help uh, clean tanks and stuff like that. So it's, it, it it's a lot of animals, but it's it's not as labor intensive as a regular animal shelter. Mm, yeah, no, that's true. That is the good thing about uh, about reptiles for sure. So why why turtles? What what do you think has drawn you towards turtles besides the teenage mutant ninja turtles? <laughs> well, they're pretty cool animals. I mean, they people don't give them the credit uh, that they deserve. They actually have a lot of personality to them. They are great pets. Uh, they're a little bit more interactive than fish. Uh, when, when you're, you know, watching them, uh, stuff like that. And they're, they, they, they do know you, 
they they understand you and again they do live up to around 50 years we've had some that are that are in their 40s they're older than i am uh come through the rescue yeah that was one of the interesting things a couple weeks ago i recorded an episode about enrichment for reptiles and and one of the you know turtles kept coming up as a species that they've done a lot of research for learning and uh you know they they do pick up on things and I, i don't know if it's because they're a little more social they do I don't know. They don't really live in groups in the wild, but I guess they kind of do. They live around other turtles, and uh, so that's that's really interesting. Um, the the turtles are kind of an, an issue in the hobby, right? Because because of the fact that you know one of the quotes on your website is that they start out so small and they do grow quite large. So, what are some of the biggest mistakes people make when they're getting into the turtle hobby? Well, there the biggest mistake is the lack of research. Uh, people, uh, we have a lot of uh, roadside vendors uh, that sell in the GTA uh, area and stuff like that. And they'll tell you what you want to hear versus what the turtle actually needs. Uh, so they say, sell those little critter carriers that are about this big with the turtle in it. And they say it'll just grow to the size of its container. I'm like, well, if it only lasts six months, yeah, probably. But you guys keep growing. And uh, we've had some, I, I don't know if you saw any pictures of Audrey, uh, so, uh, one of our mascots that has since passed on, but uh, she was in a bucket for over 20 years and she was basically folded up and looks almost looked like an ashtray or, or like a juicer or something like that. Her shell was so deformed. And so she was just kept in like a pail, like some kind of... Yeah, wow. pail and fed, fed egg whites because that's what the lady was told. Oh my God. And I mean, that's the crazy thing about reptiles is it's kind of good and bad for them is one, they live so long and two, they are so durable that you can put a turtle in a bucket and feed it eggs for 20 years and it actually won't die, which is, it's sad. But at the same time, um, you know, obviously she comes into your possession. And so, so that turtle, was it, uh, for like, um, they gave it to you or you kind of went and rescued it from that situation? Well, uh, the story for that one, uh, the lady had passed away and it was the next of kin that, that, uh, actually brought the turtle to animal control to be put down. Um, and, but you know, the vet there kind of took pity on her and, and contacted us. And, and at the time, I mean, we needed another turtle, like a hole in the head, but you know what, this one was so unique and, and has such a tragic story that, uh, she became one of our lead mascots. In fact, uh, she has, uh, still to this day has her own, uh, a Facebook page and she's got about 5,000 or so fans on that page. So that's, I know you're going to ask about the future plans for the rescue, so I won't go too much into detail, but we do have some big plans that are hopefully coming on, hopefully, you know, within the next 10 years. Yeah, yeah, and I know that uh, that's kind of dedicated to her, right? You have you have these large plans of the future in, in her memory sort of thing. Yeah, no, that's very cool. So in terms of one of the other issues with the turtles is that they, they have become this pretty bad invasive species. Now, I don't know, in Canada, do we have an issue with that because of the winters or, or can they actually get through some of the winters in some of the southern southern areas? Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, they're uh, much more prevalent than people assume. Uh, like uh, Grenadier Pond in Toronto is just proliferated with turtles. Um, and I've been contacted from the MNR, uh, Ministry of Natural Resources, um, as far north as Sudbury. Uh, <laughs> that have captured sliders that have been living out in the wild. So they're they're good. They're just as good as snapping turtles for going as far north as they can. So they just hunker down for the winter and then 
and then just go. And because they, they are from the southern state, so I guess it's not a huge stretch to get them up here. But and typically, I guess that's just people releasing them. Like they, they get tired of them and they see other turtles in the wild that are native and they just assume that you can chuck them into the pond. It's a little bit of everything. Some people are like, well, it's just a turtle. So, you know, here's a lake. Here you go kind of thing. And then there are uh, other uh, religions where it's, it's good luck to take a turtle and release it to, uh, oh. to give yourself some luck. So that's, that's another thing that, you know, kind of have to fight with. And they, they're pretty damaging on the ecosystem as well, right? Like invasive species are hard on, on, on the native ecosystem. So that's kind of uh, not the best luck. <laughs> Well, they're yeah. larger than painted turtles. They're about the size of uh, the the uh, uh, the map turtles that we have in the area, as well as the Blandings turtles. So these guys will just muscle them just right out of their own territory. Wow. So, do you think that these they should be a staple in the hobby? Like they they are they are a staple. Like a lot of people own sliders, but they are that kind of issue species. Do you think that they should be kind of reserved for people who are a little more advanced in the hobby, or is it just an education issue? Uh, it's primarily an education issue. Um, if, if people knew how to care for them correctly, um, they would either decide, you know, maybe I, I don't want one or, okay, I'm going to do this right. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So what are some reasons to own a turtle? Because I know there's obviously some positives. Like obviously we've t- discussed some of the negatives, but there's there's some really some positive things that come from ownership. Well, they can be quite interactive, uh, you know, especially... You know, you know, the more you handle them, the more they get used to you. I have friends, uh, you know, she, this one girl in particular, she she lives with her turtles and uh, they they would sleep on, on her chest. You know, they're, they're very, uh, very good species to have, I find anyways. Um, they're, they're fun to be around and they do last forever. They could be a lifetime pet for most people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Um... I think that's one of the issues is people don't get into them for a lifetime pet, right? But if they were kind of sold that way, that would make it a lot, uh, a lot better. Because obviously there are some great turtle owners out there. There's tons of them. Oh yeah. The, is is breeding turtles uh, something that happens a lot? Like I'm, when I think of reptile breeding, the first thing that comes to mind is obviously ball pythons, which I think tend to get overbred just for the excitement of the morphs. But are people breeding sliders to sell to to make money, or is it just mostly wild caught things that are infiltrating? Uh, well, it's not so much wild caught. There are actually turtle farms down in the States, uh, Alabama, Louisiana, Texas, and those areas. They, 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 uh, literally breed turtles by the tons. Um, and then they're sold for uh, commercial pet trade as well as to some countries for, for food staple. Um, so there, there's that there are, I, I have heard that some of those, uh, roadside vendors do breed their turtles. I can't really confirm any of that, but it does happen. Yeah, because I know in the states, like the, there, I think there's laws that uh, that you're not allowed to sell turtles uh, that are a certain size, right? They're, if they're too small, they have to be a certain size to be able to sell them. Um, or that's what I've. Yeah, do we have that in Canada as well, or is that just in the United States? That's just Canada. It just okay. in the states, yeah. Oh yeah, just in the states, yeah. So in terms of care for an because this is one of the things that you said you know you you get your credit carrier or your critter carrier and then you assume that's his lifetime home and that's probably one of the biggest issues is people don't picture that you know foot long turtle living in their home what let's run through some care of the adult readier slider what what are some of the basic requirements 
the biggest thing is uh, the the general rule of thumb in our hobby uh, for turtles uh, specifically is 10 gallons per inch of shell for one turtle. So you're talking like Spartacus, our, our biggest turtle that we have now. Uh, she's uh, uh, 13 inches long. <laughs> she's over seven pounds of turtle. So she's in a 150 gallon bin by herself. You know, that's kind of like, it's, it's pretty much the minimum really. Um, you know, bigger is always better when it comes to turtles and um, they do need a place to get out uh, and bask, uh, be it a platform or a dock or a piece of wood or something for them to get up on. Uh, they do need a basking light and a UV light. UV lights need to be changed, as you know, at, you know, every six months to, to a year, depending on you know, the bulb and stuff. Uh, that's another thing that people don't don't realize. And we'll get we'll get some that have been you know, they've been using this light for five, six years, and they, they don't understand why the turtle shell is soft. Well, that's why. And uh, But the biggest thing, aside from uh, the size of tank, is the size of the filter. Turtles are dirty animals. Um, they also live in their own toilet. So uh, we always suggest get a filter rated for twice the size of the tank that it's in, at least. Um, that helps keep everything cleaner. Um, the cleaner the water, the healthier the turtle, the less stink that everybody says turtles have. Turtles actually don't have a smell, but again, they are living in their own toilet. So you don't clean the tank. Well, yeah, it's going to smell. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. It's a, if you don't clean your animal's enclosure, it's going to start to smell. You can't blame that on the animal. <laughs> and then in terms of the filter like that, they just typically use like a canister filter, like something from the aquarium hobby. Yeah, uh, right now, I mean, the biggest ones that you can get are the, the Fluval FX series. Uh, they're, they're massive filters, and they're really good. Um, now, for the rescue, for our purposes, uh, I've actually built my own filters, but they're, they're, they're designed off of uh, pond filters, so they're rated for like two, 3,000 gallons uh, kind of thing. So that's just because I have so many turtles per, per tub. We have them in community setups and stuff like that. So Yeah, and that's the other thing I was going to ask. In terms of community, do, do most, can you get away with a community? If, as long as you have the space, they're okay in a community? Yeah, we have 300-gallon uh, stock tanks. So basically, you know, those big, huge cylinder things that, that uh, cattle and stuff like that drink out of. Um, yeah, we usually do about uh, 10 to 15 per tub. Uh, that's when we're kind of getting down to the minimum of what the turtle would need. I mean, bigger again is always better if we can get away with it. Um, generally the girls tend to get along a lot better is the boys, especially in the spring and, and in the fall, they tend to want to fight with each other. So it's always a gamble. I'm like, okay, we have this turtle in here. I can see him. He's starting to attack the other one. So he's got to go into his own tank. And uh, we're actually uh, a PetSmart registered charity. So we uh, have, I think, 15 or 16 stores that we're in within the GTA. So if we find a fighter, generally he's the first one on the list to go to one of the stores once it, a turtle there has been adopted. Oh, cool. So you can you uh, bring the animal to the store and then they uh, set it up with an adoptive, like a, a home that they can go home with? Oh, that's cool. We have our own kiosks in the store. And then, uh, yeah, they, they would adopt the turtles from the store. It makes it more convenient for people to find. The so do you do you go to the store yourself and set up the kiosk or one of your volunteers is, is at the kiosk? Okay. Yeah, the kiosk is permanent in the store. And then uh, it, the idea is that if somebody adopts the turtle from the store, if, if they buy everything from the PetSmart, they can adopt out the turtle without, you know, they don't have to let us know. 
but and if, but if the person says okay i have a tank whatever then we would step in and uh you know we need to see the tank you know just pictures or whatever talk to the people and then we would approve the adoption from there right yeah and that's that's the hard part about this industry is that what you know that pro process is a it's a lot of work to make sure you know people having to prove what their home enclosure looks like and, and all that and obviously that happen doesn't happen probably 95 percent of the time and that is the challenge right because you know at the same time we, people breeders want to make money they don't really care about what's going on at home it's just like take the turtle and give me what like how much does a turtle cost well uh i don't know what they cost but our adoption fee is only 30 dollars right you know it's so that I mean, that's a that's a great way to go about it because you know they're going home to a good uh, to a good uh, setup. Do you allow them to continue to contact you if they have questions? Oh yeah, and a lot of people do. Uh, uh, my wife is actually in charge of uh, the adoption side of the rescue, um, and yeah, she and she's more than willing to say no to people if we feel that they're just not a good home. No, sorry, you're not you're not getting one. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a fair way to go. And, and then in terms of kind of getting back to care, these obviously these turtles can, people do have them in outdoor ponds. That that works probably well in the summertime here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if it, I mean, if it's big enough, um, you know, you're talking like, you know, it's, it's, it's a hundred foot tank or a hundred foot uh, uh, pond that goes down well below the, the, uh, the frost line, then, you know, the turtles will adapt and they could keep them out there uh, year round. But if somebody buys one, that's just like a pond liner that they drop into the earth. Well, then they'll, we ask, okay, you got to take them in. They should all be in by this time because it's getting pretty cold out there. So yeah, it's minus 13 here this morning. So it's uh, it feeling like winter all of a sudden. <laughs> and then in terms of uh, diet, what are they, what are they eating? <clears throat> well, they are uh, omnivores and they're opportunistic. So uh, for us, I mean, it's a staple diet of the um, the, the turtle pellets. Um, the, we, you know, we use all brands because whenever a turtle is surrendered, uh, they usually get, you know, we get all the equipment and the food and everything like that. So we just have this big, huge fat that we have all the food in. Um, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll give them, you know, worms and bugs and, and, uh, you know, uh, cook chicken sometimes, um, feeder fish, that kind of stuff. So they'll eat a little bit of everything. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I just lost my train of thought there. Oh yeah. So in, in between your day job and the rescue, how many hours are you putting in a week? Do you think? Uh, way too many. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my day job, I'm uh, working 12 hours a day out on the road kind of thing. So, uh, uh very little time, uh, that I can spend, uh, at, you know, at home dealing with the reptiles. So usually, you know, I'm home by around 7 PM, you know, about nine or 10 is when I'm like, okay, I'm just too tired to do anything anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and then crash from there. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's good that we have volunteers that, that can come in and help, uh, with taking care of the animals and such. So. Sure. Yeah. And then obviously, uh, every couple of weeks you're at a show as well. Yeah. We got another one coming, uh, uh the two day one coming in two weeks at the international center, uh, in, uh, in Mississauga. So that that's where we do a lot of our adoptions, um, uh, and fundraising too. So, uh, again, with all the equipment that we get in, sometimes it's just way too much stuff that we need, uh, for the rescue. So we sell it off. We call it like a rummage sale. It's almost like, you know, like a garage sale. People can donate, you know, however much they feel, um, or, or 
whatever is reasonable uh, for items. It is used items. Everything's in working condition. Um, and it uh, goes to a good cause. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. So when you go, when you go to a show, you bring uh, do you bring animals with you, or do you just kind of have a book to flip through? Like these are the animals that we have open for adoption. Uh, we do both. Uh, generally, see with with turtles, we want to be careful, and uh, you, we just don't seem to adopt turtles at expos. But we do have uh, a rolling pond uh, that we bring in as a big display that we'll have come of some of our uh, ambassadors in. Um, but uh, primarily it'd be, you know, the bearded dragons, the geckos, the, the, uh, um, the snakes and stuff like that, that we would bring to the shows. Generally people who are coming there, they know what they want to get. And uh, we'll sit there and talk to them for, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour. And uh, you know, it's, it's all by intuition. Usually if somebody, you know, the first question they ask is what's, what's the sex and what's the, uh, the weight in grams. <laughs> okay. Red flags there. But if they actually, you know, this is a beautiful animal. I, I would love to give this thing a good home. Okay, now we're feeling better about this. Yeah. Yeah. The and I've talked about this before on the show that that breeding side to our hobby has just gone crazy, and it's almost too easy. Like that's the other downside of reptiles is they they breed so easily with you know the amount of knowledge that we've acquired in the hobby in the last ten years that yeah people are gonna go grab a, a animal to adopt just because it you know it fits their breeding standards. I don't know if there's, do you think there's any way around that? Like, how do we start shifting that focus back to the animal first? Well, if there's an easy and uh, uh, cheaper way to uh, uh, basically fix the animals, that'd be good. But just with reptiles, you know, it, it, turtles especially, you'd have to physically cut open the bottom of their shell. And you're looking at like a 90% mortality rate when it comes to just getting an animal fixed. Again, it's just, it's one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously we can't do that. That's, that is a lot of work. And even, even other reptiles that don't have a shell yet, it, it is very, very difficult. So with, with all this, obviously you are working hundred percent of the time, it seems like, <laughs> um, w what compels you to do this? It's just uh, the need for it. You know, uh, animals, we get contacted from, you know, humane societies and, and animal shelters and whatever. They just, they don't have the knowledge or the, uh, the space even uh, to take in reptiles. So they try and find rescues and, and uh, the fact that we're a registered charity just makes it better for them. Sometimes they can't contact another rescue unless it is registered. So, you know, because there are, there are some, some shell, some reptile rescues. I'll put that in air quotes that are really just in a guy's basement. And yes, I know that's where I started, but again, we wanted to be as legitimate as possible. Yeah, it just ends up being a guy that just wants a bunch of animals and you can't really judge how good of care he is, you know, providing for them. Yeah, it is. It's unfortunate that our hobby has taken that turn and that, I mean, it's great the work that you're doing. Obviously, that's amazing. But at the same time, it's sad that we need that. And it's almost impossible for you to keep up with the demand as well. Oh, <laughs> let's not go into do demand. Uh, for the past six years, we've had a standing waiting list. And right now my waiting list is about 10 months. Um, again, we have about, we have the capacity right now for about 150 to 160 turtles, if everything, you know, fits perfectly kind of thing. And we've got another 75 to 80 just waiting to come in. And that's, I get five to six phone calls every day, every single day. Uh, for people looking to, to, they, they I love it when they say, uh, I want to donate my turtle. 
well, okay, it's, it's not how it goes, but all right, uh, you know, you're not you're not doing me a favor by donating the turtle to me, but we will do our our most of what we can, you know, we'll do what we can to try and find that turtle home and, and try and take care of it for them. Yeah, I, I would prefer if you just donated your own time to learn how to take care of a turtle and enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's very, it's a very strange as problem that we have, and obviously, you know, we're kind of in that seller's market where it just becomes like new animal. Like I, when I see the amount of animals that get bred, I always in my back of my head, is there a demand? And clearly, there's not because if you have a, a waiting list, the waiting list should be on the breeder side. It shouldn't be on the rescue side. There should be a waiting list of people that say, I want, you know, I, I have 80 people that want a new turtle, not I have 80 people who don't want a turtle. Um, so it is tricky to, to problem solve that for sure. And in terms of uh, the donations, what does specifically the donations go to? Well, it goes to uh, just uh, the, the operation of the rescue. Uh, we do have a fund for, uh, for veterinary care. We do have a vet that does help out, uh, donates a lot of her time. Uh, basically, we just pay for certain procedures and, and medication and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, we're running $600 a month for utility bills, and that's that's normal for us, summer and winter. Um, it's just with all you know, all the lights and filters and everything that's running. Um, you know, we do. It just helps helps with the rescue, helps buy food, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, that's about it, really. Yeah, yeah, and I know that uh, obviously that's all on your website. If people want to donate, they can they can do that. It's pretty it's pretty simple, and the the amount that you appreciate it, I'm sure you can't put into words. Oh yeah, you, uh... yeah. I mean, uh, we're we're uh, completely funded by uh, private donations. We don't get any government grants or anything like that. So, and uh, we're you know usually it's about forty to fifty thousand dollars a year is what we're spending, just uh, taking care of the rescue and and going to these shows and doing all that yeah it's uh i'm sure it's hard to stay motivated to do that but at the same time you know the reward oh yeah oh yeah we get contacted from people who have adopted from us too and, and you know just you know pictures and you know the kids playing with the animals and stuff so that that does help it, it you know makes us feel pretty good yeah yeah you guys are good about sharing that kind of stuff on your instagram right you share the people that have adopted and uh, mm -hmm. is there any of your uh, is there any favorite stories that you have of people that have adopted animals from you Oh geez, uh, well that's a good one. <laughs> I can't think of any offhand, but uh, you know it's it's always it's always good to hear that. And and you know as you said, they always contact us if if they need anything or have any suggestions. And you know sometimes turtles, you know if my turtle isn't acting right, uh, what do you suggest? And I'm like, well, you know based on what you're saying, you might want to seek a vet because then might be something something wrong. It might be nothing, but it might be something, right? So. Yeah, yeah. What are, what are some of the most common uh, illnesses and sicknesses that red red ear sliders have to deal with? Uh, uh, let's see here. Pneumonia is actually one where they do get uh, congested, uh, <clears throat> and you'll see that. So uh, basically, they'll, they'll either stop swimming altogether, which is pretty uh, unusual for a turtle, or they'll be swimming like kind of sideways. Uh, that means that one of their lungs is full of fluid. Uh, just straight up antibiotics will take care of that. Um, usually, um, abscesses are another thing. Now, for for humans, I mean, it's like it, it would mostly be like almost like a big, huge pimple or something like that is liquid filled. But for reptiles, it's actually uh, a stronger. It's it's almost like a, a, a 
calcium deposit. So for turtles, they usually get them in their ears, which is the round side that you see on the side of their face. So they would have to be uh, a local, you know, anesthetic lance removal uh, packed with gauze and all that kind of stuff. So it is the whole procedure. Uh, generally, again, that's just, um, you know, bad water conditions. Usually uh, the cleaner the water, you know, nine times out of 10, a turtle will never need to see a vet. Yeah, they're pretty pretty hardy. So what um do you have any uh, do you have any personal personal pets or per, like I know you have a, I see a cat walking around and your uh, dog around here somewhere. <laughs> We've got a little bit of everything here. It's, it's quite the menagerie. Yeah, I mean I I have all of our ambassadors uh do stay with us. So we've got about uh I'm so we must have about uh 30 30 or so animals uh between the cats and the dogs and you know, we've got some snakes and, and uh, salamander and, uh, you know, a uh, couple of bearded dragons. And we have a tortoise who's uh, a lucky bugger that actually I built an addition to the side of the house. Uh, it, it, it's going to be, you know, it's going to have a um, uh, heated floor and everything. So he's, he's a leopard tortoise, so he needs the heat. So, yeah, yeah. So are those all animals that have been at, at some point a you know, donated in air quotes to you, and then you just hung on to them because you liked their character or their personality? Yeah, most of them. Uh, really, uh, in the past 10 years, the only turtle that I've purchased uh, myself, uh, I have an albino slider, uh, which is, you know, cost me a, you know, a pretty good chunk of change, but it's always something that I wanted. So, it, uh, you know, I, there was one available, and I, I just took my prerogative basically to uh to buy this one so and she's doing quite well i think she's about three or four now so she's she's getting about that big so cool yeah, yeah. and did they all stay out into the in the compound in the back or do you have some that are in your home uh the most most of my own pets are in the house yeah so uh they're they're in the living room area um not all of them could fit in the house so some of them are in the rescue yeah yeah you know your collection's big when the house is uh, not big enough yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Ray, I know we, we kind of briefly touched on that sort of your, your future plans. We don't have to get into depth into that because I, I know that you're in the works, but it, that, that is a plan that you see kind of in the future. And do you see yourself as that your dream role? It is. Well, I'll, I'll explain it. Uh, because turtles are very hard to adopt out and a lot of them, you know, the average stay for, for a turtle at the rescue is a couple of years. And we just can't meet demand. What we want to do is actually build uh, a massive, we're talking a hundred plus acre facility uh, called Audrey's Legacy, which brings it back to Audrey. Uh, basically uh, um, a, a sanctuary for turtles. Um, you know, massive ponds that they can all go and uh, spend the rest of their lives in peace, separated from the wildlife. Uh, this, we would, that's the biggest thing that we have to deal with is to make sure that wildlife can't get in and these guys can't get out, um, because they are an invasive species, but that is the project that we are working on. We're talking, it's, it's going to be in the, into the millions. We don't even know yet really what the cost is going to be because that facility, that, um, feasibility study is, is still being done. Uh, so we hope to have that started probably in the next couple of years if we can. Is is there anything like that currently in the country? No, I don't. Even, well, I uh, I've heard of one in of all places Switzerland, and they're a couple of years ahead of us. 
which is great because uh, I think uh, you can't even have turtles there. So people, you know, that they they can't even adopt them out if they wanted to. Um, but yeah, it's nothing like that in Canada, and uh, I don't think there's many. It's maybe two or three in the states that are for turtles like that. Is the idea that people would be able to come and, and, and look at them, interact with them, or would it be kind of closed off to the public and just be a place for the, like a sanctuary for the turtles? We're still working on that. Uh, it's one of those where it would be nice to have it open for the public, but the issue is that somebody's going to sneak in a turtle, and we're pretty positive that's going to happen. I hate to say that, but it's one of those where we have to thank security as well. Yeah, I guess I never thought about that. You're talking about someone kind of coming with a pet turtle in their bag and just throwing it into one of the ponds. Yeah, the biggest thing that we do at the rescue is we keep the males and females separated. And again, nine times out of ten, people, they don't even get that right when they uh, when they fill out their surrender forms. They come by with, you know, they say it's a boy. And well, no, that's, that's a girl. She's about to lay eggs. So <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, the, the turtles and the tortoises, I feel like that's the one reptile that everybody has their gender wrong. <laughs> They're always the opposite of what they think. Because I guess, is there any easy way to sex a, a slider? Yeah, I, well, I, at an adult size. Uh, for the babies, yes, it is. It's nearly impossible to tell. But uh, for the uh, for the adults, first off, the boys stay a third of the size of the females. So, you know, if the turtle is eight, nine inches big, you're probably looking at a female. Uh, boys have long uh, Freddy Krueger nails um, and uh, a tail twice the length of the girl. So that's just uh, it's the main distinguishing features. I mean, you kind of tell, you know, okay, after a while, I mean, I've, I've dealt with thousands of turtles over the past 10 years. So, I mean, I'm pretty good at telling <laughs> the, the sex of the turtles. So, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I guess even in a large pond setting, keeping them separated is important. I mean, obviously, you don't want these rescued turtles to breed because that sort of defeats the purpose. Is that the main the main issue there? Yeah, exactly, and that's why we're thinking security there because you know one boy gets into that that female pond. Oh boy, <laughs> you never know what'll happen. How big is a a clutch? A clutch for a turtle, they can lay uh, I think a dozen, if not more, turtleless uh, eggs at a time. Uh, which is part of the problem. The fact that they are very good breeders for the sliders, that's, that's why, you know, they don't, they don't cost that much. Somebody can, you know, go out and get one for 10 to $20 uh, as a baby. That's why. But the turtles that do stay small, like the little mud turtles, I have one. He's a full-grown male Mississippi mud. He's three inches long. But the thing is, they only lay one egg a year. That's the issue, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's actually going to lead me to my, my next question was, do you, I mean, I know primarily you're into the red ear sliders, but are there, there are other turtles that you uh, add to the rescue as well? Oh yeah. I, I mean, part of my collection too, I, I've got a couple of African species, uh, Asian species, uh, you know, mud turtles and such. I've got a bunch of different ones myself. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it all depends on what gets surrendered uh, to us. Uh, lately, we've been getting them a lot more of the uh, Chinese golden threads. So I think there was uh, uh, a boost in popularity with them uh, past few years. And, of course, now I'm starting to get into the adults for them. So, Yeah, turtles are one of those things that I see 
people illegally importing them all the time right poaching from the wild like from asia and and things like because they're so small you can fit like a hundred in a, in a bag or whatever you see people that get caught with like these all these little coin-sized turtles in in these pouches is that is that something that you see all the time in terms of you know poaching and well, uh, and i i hear about it uh uh now and then uh the good thing is the border patrol is actually getting pretty good at catching these people so we are hearing of them being uh prosecuted and and uh you know taken away yeah no that is that is good because obviously that adds and and that could be the you know the influx of a a new species of turtle that is big in the pet hobby and nobody knows how to take care of it or anything when when someone gets a brand new turtle uh what is the sort of the minimum size like you can put a a a baby turtle in like a 10 gallon or something uh we always say for uh for babies uh 20 gallons is always better right um because again that's that's their whole world you know, a 10 gallon tank is only, you know, a few feet. If that, you know, even a 20 gallon is at least, you know, usually the 20 gallons are about 30 inches uh, or longer, something like that. So uh, I, I have my guys in, in 70, like my boys anyways, in 75 gallon tanks. Um, you know, that's kind of the, the minimum that I want to keep them in uh, myself. So, yeah, they're not a species that gets intimidated by too large of a space, really. No, no, no. They love to swim and they'll, they'll go for days. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's another one of those, you know, almost myths in the reptile hobby that animals are too scared when they're in a, in a large enclosure. And to some extent, some of them, some of them, yes, but it has to do with, you know, how you set it up. What, so do you, do you have any decor in these tanks or can they be like, do or do they kind of destroy stuff that's in there? Uh, turtles tend to redecorate whatever you put in their tank. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I like using, uh, those, uh, those rigid plastic, uh, you know, kind of decorations. They look like uh, uh, branches and stuff like that. It's something for them to kick around. Uh, if you if you use any of the the plastic plants, they will try and nibble on them. So I want to stay away from that. And uh, for turtles, we we suggest not putting substrate um, in the bottom of the tank, especially those aquarium rocks, those different colored ones that you can get. Uh, the turtles will eat them because it tastes good, uh, but they can get impacted. And I've seen that in turtles and it's not pretty. Yeah, I know. Definitely. So just bare bottom is really the, the way to go. It's also easy on the filter too. I mean, if you yeah. want to put something, uh, you can get like uh, sandbox sand as long as you wash it. That's a little bit easier. It's a look, I mean, it, it looks more like a natural bottom, uh, but uh, even if the turtle eats a little bit, it's it's a lot easier to pass that. Sure. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Cool. Well, um, so if people want to donate to the charity and, you know, help you guys out, because I mean, the work that you're doing is unbelievably important. And I do really hope that you have a ton of support behind you and that just continues to grow. Can, can you let people know where, where they can do that? Well, uh, best is uh, right on our website. We have uh, one of those boxes for uh, Canada Helps. Uh, the good thing with that is you can donate uh, online through our website. Uh, everything is all secured. Um, you know, your information is not passed out to anybody like that. Uh, and, uh, you get a charity receipt emailed directly to you. So it's very quick. Everything, everything is taken care of. And, uh, you know, it's just like that, just through our website, uh, littlerescue.net. Um, you can even uh, see it on our uh, Facebook page, everything, our, our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is at little rescue. So. Perfect. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put everything in the show notes so people can f- to find. Uh, are you, are you constantly looking for volunteers or do you kind of have a, a set of volunteers that you're happy with? 
Always good to have more help. Uh, in fact, uh, tomorrow I'm uh, bringing on two new uh, volunteer coordinators that are going to help uh, just take some of the stress off of me and, and my board of directors to help, you know, kind of foster new volunteers. Uh, we do a lot of outreach, right? And with me working as much as I do, I just can't be at every event. Um, we get contacted by uh, pet stores all the time. So to have more people trained to go out and do that for us, uh, just help raise awareness and raise uh, funds for the rescue, uh, the better. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, help at, at the shelter too is always needed. Yeah, yeah. So if you're in the GTA or the greater Toronto area, for those who are in the States that don't know what that is, um, well, they won't be volunteering. But if you're in the GTA and you want to volunteer, they can just contact you. And Yeah, definitely. Cool. Awesome. Well, uh, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time here. I think that uh, it's a really interesting story. And, you know, it's one of those things where there, it's rare to find someone in the hobby who's zeroed in on a single species. And obviously you deal with a lot of different species, but but really your focus is the red ear slider. And they are that problem issue in the hobby. And uh, we do need someone like yourself to, to sort of take the, take the stand and, and help them out. So that's awesome. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. All right. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed that. That was um, definitely a really good conversation I had with Mark. I'm very excited for his plan for Audrey's legacy. I do hope that uh, is something that they can put together in the next couple of years. It is a giant project, but it would be so beneficial for the hobby. Definitely make sure you check out his social media as well as the website. It's littlerescue.net and that's just little L-I-T-T-L-E R-E-S and then Q, the letter Q. Everything is in the show notes below, so it's littlerescue.net. That's his website. If you have a couple bucks to spare, definitely consider donating to Mark. You know exactly where it's going. You know that it's going to help You know the 150 turtles or, or so that he has on his property that him and his wife are taking care of. You know, it is so important that we support the rescues that are in the hobby because without people like Mark and his wife who have this giant operation, we may not be able to have reptiles as, in, as a hobby. We might, might not be able to keep them as pets. You know how many people there are out there that would rather us not have reptiles as pets. And they would use the poor husbandry that other people are providing as you know evidence that we shouldn't be keeping them. But with people like Mark and Little Rescue, you know, that is the hobby saying, hey, we're going to take care of ourselves. We're going to make sure that we're there to collect the collateral damage that happens as, as a result of the hobby. And, you know, it's really, it's a lot of work. You just, you can, hearing him talk about the amount of work, it's really unbelievable. I know most of us are not willing to do the amount of work that it would take to run an operation like that. So if you can spare a few dollars, you know exactly where it's going. It would be, he, I know he would really, really, really appreciate it. And of course, the animals will greatly appreciate it as well. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate the listen. If you want to subscribe, make sure you do that on YouTube and or iTunes and head to animalsathome.ca slash podcast and you can learn how to support me there as well. Talk to you next time.